Hey Life Can, Roger here, one of the directors. Uh, just so glad that you're joining us, whether you're a brand new listener or a returning one. Uh, if you are brand new, be sure to fill out a connect card. Let us know who you are so we can get you plugged into this church where we believe that you belong. Uh, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Uh, either way, be sure to like, subscribe, follow all that stuff uh, so that you can hear what we put out, uh, whether it's uh, podcasts, uh, messages, or, or other things. Uh, we are actually in a brand new series called Revival, uh, where we're going to be talking about what revival is and also talking about revival in the context of uh, 21 Days of Prayer. So we'll have lots of opportunities for you to participate in what we're doing. Um, one of the ways you can participate is by giving, uh, by giving to support the mission of this church as we pursue and talk about revival in our church and in our community. Uh, so be sure to head over to the Life Church Can't Afford Slash Give page uh, to give, or you can also check out the uh, Church Center app. Uh, it's another way you can give, but be sure to take the opportunity to participate. Um, go ahead and give the message a listen. You're about to hear the, the series kick off with Pastor Nathan as he explains to us what revival is and, and what it looks like and some really cool examples from history of revival, times when God um, just showed up and, and moved in mighty ways. So give that a listen. I'll catch up with you in just a minute. Today is just going to look a little bit different because we're in a new series, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. But I want you to know, no matter how you walked in here, I believe that you're going to have an encounter with Jesus today, that he's here, that he cares for you, and that he loves you. If you're brand new, we do want to know you're here. If you weren't able to hear from Bridget, or you did hear, I'd encourage you to fill out a Connect card by following our QR code. You can also find it online. Or if you're like, I don't like all that, go to the Welcome Center afterwards, we'll walk you through it, and we'd love to meet you and help you take your next steps, especially since right now, there's so many amazing things that are coming up, including small groups and a chance every night in Sunday on Sunday to come in here and spend some more time in prayer at 6.30. So I encourage you to make it a, a habit this month to come back out to spend some time in prayer. And I'll tell you an, uh, a bunch of why we're doing this. Every year, we do this series uh, for the last three years, 21 Days of Prayer. And there's a reason. There's a reason. Because we believe that God is leading this church in a direction, and that every year, we need to take some time to listen to what he is saying, to pray for it. I want to talk about a vision I had for this church one of these moments that uh, helped me understand a little bit of what God is trying to do here. Essentially, before I came to this church, I was seeking out where I should go. God made it clear at the beginning of a nine-month process that he had a place for me to go, but all he said was to take one step at a time. And it was a very slow process and, and listening to God, and it was crazy, and you may have heard me speak about all the struggles that went through that. But God just said, take your next step. And there was this moment where um, I was exhausted. My family was exhausted from interviewing all kinds of things. We found out at that point as well that we were unexpectedly uh, going to have a third child, which we did not plan on. And so we're like, ah, overwhelmed. But there was a release in that overwhelmed of saying, I have to trust you, God, in this. But we're still leading a church. We're still caring for people. And I love that church. I still do to this day. And we were there, and we were with our leaders, and it was a sweet time as we prayed over our building. And, and that's what I loved about it, was being part of this community who cared so deeply. And as we prayed over these different buildings, um, we were in this time, and all of a sudden, 
I see uh, just this picture in my head. You can call it a vision. You can call it uh, something that, that God gave to me, but I believe very strongly that it was God communicating to this moment. And I wasn't thinking about the next step. I was just present, just listening to God. And in the place I was, man, I had these pictures often of, of just this rain, this water falling from heaven in our worship. It was just the presence of God. This guy saying, I'm here, I'm in this place. So he shows me that again, but then he starts showing it come up from the ground and come out of the wall. It's just like filling this whole place. You know, we had the 18-foot ceilings. And, and in this picture, this vision, the water just kept moving up and up and up until it filled the whole place. And, and my leaders who were with me were all just kind of floating in the presence of God. It was this beautiful picture. And the front of our building had these huge uh, glass uh, it was my favorite part of it. Huge glass uh, windows. The whole front was open so you could have the light come in. And um, the water pushed against those and they broke. They weren't great windows. They were old. <laughs> but they broke out. And the water, which was this presence of God, flowed out into the community. And it went to all of these low places. That's what water does. It goes to the low places. And God is saying, I'm sending my people out, not to leave the church, but to be the church in the places of this city that need. And he's, he's showing the work that he was doing. And I saw my leaders being pulled by the water out into the community and going to certain places. It was beautiful to see where God was going to take people to be the church, to love people well. And so I felt myself start moving towards the, the uh, glass where it used to be. And I thought, okay, God, where, where are you sending me into the community? And I went through, and as soon as I crossed the plane, I didn't find myself in that city anymore. I found myself in this room. I had already been interviewing here a little bit, but God hadn't made it clear. And there was no one here, just me. And there was lights and the chairs were all gone. And in the middle of the floor, I just saw this small burbling spring of water. And God said to me, I, I, him, am going to do it again. And the idea of what God had in mind is he says he wants to fill this place with his presence to pour out into the community it wasn't about me doing it, not at all. It was about what God is going to do. And in that moment, I had the confirmation that I need. And here we are, almost five years later, in a place where God is continuing to come uh, to bring to pass what he wants to see done in this community. This would be a work, not of man, not of any person, but of the Holy Spirit, and the ground of our community need to be broken open so more water can come in. And, and all the things that have happened have been for a preparation of what God will do. And I believe that the water level is rising. Joel 2, 28. It says this, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. This prophecy is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit to the disciples of Jesus Christ so that they can continue the mission of Jesus in the ministry of his body, the church. But it wasn't just for them. It's for all people, which was huge because it wasn't just Jewish people, but Gentiles, which is all of us. God pours himself into people. This motif of water, this illustration of water, this image of water is often used for the behavior of the spirit of God. He is wind at times and he is water. He goes where he wants 
and he fills his people. So my question for you today is, are you willing to be filled with the presence of God? Romans 5.5 says this, and our hope, our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The first thing that God does when he pours his Holy Spirit into us is he reminds us how much he loves us and cares for us. I would want you to know that today, that God loves you, that he cares for you, and he has given you the Holy Spirit if you are following Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all earthly issues, unforeseen futures, uncertain difficulties, He's been poured into us to the full. And as we encounter Jesus here and in times of prayer and worship, we're invited to visualize that spiritual reality that God is with you. He's with you and he's filling you. It goes on to Ezekiel 39, 29. I want to read this one for you. Another idea of water. I will no longer hide my face from them for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel declares the sovereign Lord. Not only does he pour it out onto individuals, but to a people, to a group. And I believe that's what God has continued to do, is poured into this community. And he's reminded us that far and against the individual culture of the world, we are invited into the community of Jesus's body. That's why we say you belong, to experience and encounter Jesus so that we can be his body. It is in the togetherness that we experience the outpouring of God's presence. That's why I want you here tonight, if you can be here, so that we together can experience, just like we're going to experience right now, the presence of God. This truth that I'm about to share with you, we must explore, we must understand and reclaim this as Christians, as those who follow Jesus that know him. Simply this, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on his people. It has been. It is. But often we forget this. But this season, this 21 days of prayer and fasting, is is a season of revitalization of this truth. So we do not ignore this gift, but often we do. We don't only ignore the fact that the love of Jesus is inside us and he's reminding us every day, but sometimes we choose instead earthly wisdom, man's wisdom, before listening to the Spirit. As we prayed about this period of 21 days and we planned for it, there was a time where I was listening, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And the word revival came to me. That's why it's called Revival, the series. Revival. Something is about to happen that God is going to do. Well, what is revival? Many of us have different understandings. Some of us uh, understand revival from like the, the, the Gaither family choir and the big tent revival. Some of us understand that like in Pentecostal church, which I love Pentecostal church, don't hear what I'm about to say is anything against that. But like there was a revival every other week, right? Like, you know, what do we mean when we mean revival? Revival is the restoration of the church itself to a vital and fervent relationship with God. There is health and passion, crucial to our ability to be able to function and passion and zeal for God. 
Revivals have come in different shapes and sizes, and I could spend lots of time on the history of it. It's, it's fascinating. You could talk about the first great awakening in America and the second, but I, I want to talk about one specifically because I think it illustrates so much what we are trying to become and be as a church, and it's the Azusa Street Revival. Azusa Street is on the West Coast, and it was led by a pastor named William Seymour. That's him over there. William Seymour was an unlikely person in the world's eyes to lead this revival. Uh, he was, uh, had lost his eye at one point. He was, he was young for those days, can be pastor. He was also black, and that was not something that would have lent to the idea that the revival would begin. The other revivals had been led by other people who were white. But the other thing that was interesting is that he was a first-generation free man, meaning his parents had been enslaved and were freed, and he was born to them. 1906 is when this moment happened, how close we were to a transformation in the way we view the world and our country. Let me read this excerpt. On the night of April 9th, 1906, William Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street. When suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor, knocked on their butts. (laughs) And the other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud, praising God. The news quickly spread. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered. Services were moved outside to accommodate the crowds. And then the porch broke, and they had to find this building People fell down as they approached the area, and they attributed it to God. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the sick were healed. And there's this moment of God showing up. What you may not know is they were on day three of a 10-day fast. They were fasting together and praying and asking for God to show up. Just in case you don't know what fasting means, fasting can attribute to anything you give up so that you can focus not on earthly dependence, but on God. But something happened in this moment. They had to move to another building, and and Pentecostalism basically was born in this moment in our country. Now, we're we're not Pentecostal as a church, necessarily. that's That's not our denomination. But there was a move of God that happened in this moment that I think we need to pay attention to. Because what changed for this moment wasn't just that people were healed, of course. wasn't just that people turned away from sin, that they were baptized, that they got to experience what God was doing. Not just that, but something got fixed in the community. Something got changed. Because in this group of people led by the son of former slaves, white people were there, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, all together as one The church at this point had been almost completely segregated. But in this space, in this space, the Holy Spirit's unity was stronger than racism and classism and every boundary that existed. Immigrants, poor, rich, illiterate, educated, young, old, it did not matter. The Holy Spirit was moving what used to be dead, what needed to come back to life. If, if revival is about a vital and fervent relationship, about revitalization, about bringing what was dead back to life, then this was about bringing the deadness of our segregation, 
of our ability to be apart from each other, to have classes and hierarchies and, well, they go to that church, you're in that kind of community. No, no, no. He wanted to break all of that down because he had in mind revelation. He had in mind the future when all would worship God in spirit and truth. The need in that area was for unity and the Holy Spirit's flowed into that place, flowed into the low place. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The focus was Jesus. As a church, we are praying for a revival in our community and we need the Holy Spirit to do the work. We are positioning ourselves to be a truly Revelation 7-9 expression of the church in Detroit. But without the outpouring the water of God's presence, we will not be able to see that happen. Yes, it takes willing hearts. Yes, it takes sacrifice. But without God's leading, without him saying, go for this, without getting behind what he is doing, this will not happen. Why? This is what I understand about revival. It is solely a move of the Holy Spirit. Revival is solely a move of the Holy Spirit. It does not depend on the plans of man. Because how many times of prayer, of prayer and fasting where seven men got together or 10 or 20 or maybe hundreds got together and prayed and fast where it didn't end in this great world-changing revival? Many. That is the truth. Revival is simply an explosion. It's, it's simply a, a grand expression. It's simply a move of the Holy Spirit of the revitalizing work that he wants to do in every single person. It is a return to the potency and power and persistence of prayer. It is miracles of inner transformation and outer change. Only the Holy Spirit does that work of healing and sanctification, and he chooses, he chooses how and when to do that. Revival comes when there is a community who desires to return to a right relationship with God and others and decides, and God then decides to use that community as a catalyst to bringing his kingdom more deeply into the world. Here's what I've come to understand. Revival is preceded by obedience, prayer, and repentance. It's preceded by it. It always is. There's always a turn towards obedience to prayer and repentance. And then when revival comes, it explodes. And that continues. It comes out of our private times. It does. Our private times and our corporate disciplines of obedience and repentance. And what does repentance mean? Repentance says, I am sorry and I turn away from what I did and turn back to God. There's a godly sorrow in repentance. Obedience looks like discipline and doing what God says, regardless of how I feel or how I want to act. And prayer is time spent with God, begging for him to move, reminding ourselves of the truth that God is with us. Now, I have more to say to you about this. 
But what we need to do in this moment is that we need to push in right now to this prayer and repentance. So what we're going to do in a couple more moments today is pray together. Now you can sing the song. You can be part of it. You can stand. You can kneel. You can raise your hands. You can hold them still. You can hold the person you love. I don't know what you need to do. But right now we're going to pray and we're going to ask for God to come and be with us. Because revival is something our country needs. And we want to be people who are ready for it. So take this time to worship him. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. As we continue, I want us to focus on the character of God, that God wants to heal our land. But land doesn't mean necessarily America. If anything, if it was just a physical land, he would be talking about Israel. But he's talking about his heart for his people, for your land, for the places where you are, for your family, for your work, for your relationships He wants to bring healing. And part of what happens when we pray and we fast is healing, healing. It's about the character of God. Let's start with us. Let's start with us as the individual. Let's start with us personally first. What is dead in you? Is your hope dead? Are you living in despair? Has there been a death, a death of your dreams, a death of a relationship, a friendship? Maybe there's actual death that you're dealing with. What is dead? Are you living in the valley of the shadow of death? Is that where you are? God is bringing life to the dead things. It is who he is. And he loves you so deeply. He wants to care for you and love you. Revival is so important for our community right now because I believe that God is going to do in something inside of us and transform us into something new. But revival begins in the simple humility of prayer and fasting. Revival begins in the simple humility of prayer and fasting. We do this season not to cause God to do anything, but to say we are humbling ourselves before you, God, and praying. I got to pray. Uh, I had to start my prayer and fasting early this year. So I, I had some things that were on my mind. It always begins with humility, of setting things before God and saying, I am choosing to submit to who you are because only you bring life and joy and hope. Our goal as a community is to position ourselves for the power of the Holy Spirit to move, and he will move. And perhaps 
will be part of a great revival. But revival does begin in community. When the moment happens, which by the way, you don't really know until it's done, until, until it happens and you look back. You don't really know that revival happened until you go back and you hear the stories. But when it happens, it, it happens in community. Not alone, not one person. It happens in community. In Azusa Street, they were together on these terrible chairs in this really ratty place. It was horrible there. It was not a great place to be. And yet, God showed up and it exploded and transformed the world. It transformed our country. But revival begins in community as well. I want to talk to you about this one. Asbury's had a couple of revivals. It's a seminary. Uh, It's actually not just a seminary, but a school. It's a Christian school in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And it has a seminary. And I love this place. I I went there. But they had a revival in the 1970s. Let me read what happened. On February 3rd, 1970, the dean uh, was scheduled to speak in chapel, but felt led instead to invite persons, students, to give personal testimony instead. Many on campus had been praying for spiritual renewal, catch that, and were now in an expectant mood. Soon, there was an incredibly large group of people, students waiting in line to speak their testimony, the power of what God hadn't done inside of them. They wanted to speak it to everyone around them. And the chapel started to fill with people who were rejoicing. Students actually left class. They canceled classes because no one wanted to be in classes. They wanted to be in the very presence of God. And what resulted was 185 hours of unbroken revival nonstop. 185 hours is a very long time. It couldn't have been one person. They got to sleep at some point. It couldn't have been one group of people. They all have to go. No, it was the people together. Even after classes resumed on February 10th, Seven days later, they left the auditorium open and prayer and testimony continued. Because of this, 2,000 teams of people went into all of the colleges and countries, uh, all of the colleges they could, 130 college campuses, and told them of the revival and what God was doing. It changed things in community. I want to point out it was the students who did this. Students, if you are here, You might be the people who bring the revival for us. Those of us who maybe are tired or have forgotten what the Spirit does. I was talking to uh, Roger this week about this, and he reminded me. He's like, hey, there's a lot of our students, not, not necessarily our students, but like there's a lot of students in the world right now who are disgruntled. They're not happy. They're frustrated and angry with the church. Believe me, we've earned some of that, church. We've earned a lot of that, maybe all of it. But the call he had heard from another pastor was to say, students, we know, but it doesn't give you a pass to leave. Do something about it. Change it. Revive it. Don't give up. The people who changed the world through the power of the Holy Spirit were children compared to our age. The disciples were children when they started. But for God... Same goes for us who maybe aren't young anymore. Become expectant like they were. Pray like they were for spiritual renewal. And what will happen? God will heal some things in our land, in us as people. And he will send people out from this place into the world to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. 
So we're talking about water today that God pours his presence in and it fills a place and it overflows. Is there any wonder that our vision includes taking this torch, this flame, this light that is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's justice and love, his love into the community and breaking out and moving and going. It comes from the overflow of the Holy Spirit. One of the songs we're going to sing at the very end comes from a conference. It was played there for, um, oh, actually, that's a different one. Never mind. But I was at a conference uh, when I was a student and when I was at the Ohio State University. You know, whatever opinions you want to have about that place. God still moved. Uh, And we went to Atlanta, Georgia, which is really sore for me right now. But we were there back then. And it was a passion conference, which only students were allowed to because, because they understood what happens when students who love Jesus get together? 18,000 is all we could fit in this place. Eight, but 18,000 is a ton of people. Have you ever been in a place where 18,000 people sing with such abandon and loudness? It sounds like heaven. It looks like heaven. Look around, and there's every color and tribe. There's people wearing lots of nice clothes and not nice clothes. There's people from everywhere in the country. There's people from out of the country. It looks like heaven. And the voices were so loud at times that my ears hurt. And there's overwhelming moments of God's presence as he revitalized things. So what happens when we pray and worship together in community I was at a breakout session. It's a breakout session where John Piper was speaking. So there was only like four or 500 of us listening. <laughs> like 500 is huge. And I can remember, I could see it, picture it. I saw where I was and sitting and where I was looking. I saw John Piper. I don't remember a thing he said, but John Piper preached, pretty much preaches the same message over and over again. So you could probably guess. He didn't call for people to follow Jesus into ministry, nothing like that. He just, at the end, prayed and invited the Holy Spirit to be present with us. And it's in that moment that God said to me, okay, it's time. It's time for you to follow me and to go and do ministry. I received my ministry call. But before that makes you feel like, well, that's great. You're a pastor. He called me to that ministry before I ever had a job. And he calls you to a ministry no matter what job you have. He calls us in these moments. As I listen to those voices and I think back to it, and I think about where we are and who we are as a people, and I think about revival, I said, why not here? Why not now? I want revival for you. Whether it turns into the great revivals of the past, or it's just, as if you could say just, about transformation in our hearts and unity together. What needs to be brought back into alignment? Our passion for the name of Jesus, our sending, our obedience. These are the things that God wants to bring back to life in our community. But it will be a movement of the Spirit. Here's my final point for you. Revivals always give glory to God, not man's plans. This isn't about something we can strategize our way into. This is not something that we can manufacture This is not something we can force to happen. That's not how God works. No, our role, our job is simply to position ourselves to experience whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
Prayer and fasting, as I'm going to tell you about what we're going to do, are ways of positioning ourselves for a revitalization of our life separately as families together in our community, bringing dead things back to life. It is about simply saying, I want to step into the overflow. I want to step into the presence of God. I want God to pour into me the spring of new life to explode out of these walls and go into the community for the light to shine. So we must prepare ourselves for the vision that God has placed before us long before I saw it, long before this church ever met. God had a vision for us that we must follow. And it means our life and our light and our joy and an overflow of the Holy Spirit. So what are we going to do? We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting starting today. And I want to give you as many on-ramps as possible so that you can be part of it and encourage you to be here tonight. But I'm going to explain why this is so important as well. First, I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I know, that seems simple, right? It's not always so simple. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world. I'm just asking you to position yourself personally and as a family to do this. So if you want to do this as a family, do it as a family. You want to do it as individuals, do it as individuals. But here's three ways that you can position yourself for it. You can pray for 15 minutes a day for 21 days. You can do that. Start off there. I learned in community how to pray for long periods of time. Or you can do it for 30 minutes a day. Or you can do it for 60 minutes a day. This is the journey I have gone as I have strived every day to do an hour of prayer. To do an hour of prayer, to take time doing that. To, and how I do it, because that's a lot. You're going to set a timer or whatever. It's a lot. It takes time. You can start with 15. There's nothing wrong with that. Of praying, asking God for him to move inside of you. How I've done it in the past is I've made playlists of worship songs. And those worship songs help direct my thoughts because my mind goes every which way possible. I'm sure yours is the same. And it's 60 minutes long. And I pray, I start it, and then when the songs are done, I know I am done. I don't even have to worry about what time it is. For you guys, this, uh, this year on the Church Center app, you can actually find my playlist for this month, which I have focused all of my songs on revival, on what God is going to do, the healing he wants to do inside of us. It starts off with the song about the Lord is ready to heal me. So if you want to do 60 minutes, you've got a playlist. If you want to do 15, you can use it as well. But I wanted to give you a chance to use that on Apple Music or Spotify. It's right there. There's also a prayer booklet online that I want you to be a part of. Um, It's in the same place so that it can help you every single day as you pray. Second, I want you to fast. I want you to fast. What's fasting? Fasting is removing something from your life. (laughs) And And I want you to remove something from your life, to abstain from something in your life that hurts. I want you to feel deprived. I want you to feel the sting of not having this thing. And you're like, that is a weird thing to say. Why would you want that? I want you to suffer. No, that's not what I mean. You see, if God is water and he wants to pour his life out into us, if he wants to pour into us and we are vessels for him to fill us, that's how we were designed from the very beginning, to be empty without him, to be empty and in a way useless without God. That's how we were always designed. But now that we have him, he can fill us. The problem is he can't fill what's already full. 
You ever take a glass and it's full of water to the very top and you pour more water into it? What happens? It just spills out. Yeah, some gets in. Some gets in and mixes around, right? But most of it comes out. So what is fasting? Fasting is pouring ourselves out. Trying to make space. So I want it to sting. Why? Because there's some need, some desire, some moment of this gives me comfort when God is my comfort. This gives me purpose when God is my purpose. So hunger is what I want for you. So some of fasting is food. Why? Because it makes us hungry. It makes us hungry. I want us to be desperate for God. And if there's anything that has just plagued the American church is that we sway to a cadence of complacency and we do not have desperation for God to show up. Now, many of you, you are desperate because you're going through something right now. And so you have emptied yourself and allowed God to speak. But some of us, we have to choose to do this. So here's the three ways you can choose. You can do all of them. Have you done fasting before and done a bunch of these before? Stretch yourself. If you've done nothing and fasted never, like pick one and, and, and pick one that's going to hurt. Not the one that's easy, but the one that's going to be like, oh, that's hard. That's difficult. First, I would encourage you to get rid of social media or, and videos and TV and movies and YouTube. We spend a lot of time doing this. Not a lot of time asking God. We fill ourselves with movies and video and, and, and TV. And students, we do this just as bad as you do, believe me, um, in, in both movies and videos. Adults aren't any better at this. Don't, don't let you think that we're better, not any better at this. We're, we're not great at it. Not only that, social media. Social media, it can be at Facebook, all the different things, but even YouTube and shorts and all this stuff and TikTok and all the things, right? Because they're evil. No, they're not necessarily evil. I mean, we can make a case for that, but that's not my point. My question to you, all of us, students as well, but who are you without social media? Do you know who you are? Well, you can only know who you are if you're listening to the God, the Father, who's speaking to you. We fill ourselves and we wonder why we're so angry. Videos, TV, movies are the ways that we check out. Yes, can they be good and fun? Yes, I love, I love the Chosen series. I love all kinds of movies. Some of my favorite movies are secular movies. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we just keep filling ourselves up. We're not hungry for God. And finally, food. I encourage you to fast a meal or fast all food one day of the week to choose. If you've never done a food fast, I encourage you to try a meal first. I want you to feel hungry I want you to feel deficient in earthly things so that God can be abundant in spiritual things. I want all of us to commit to one thing in prayer and one thing in fasting. Why? So we can force God to do something? No. So that we can pray for the presence of God. And here's what I want you to pray every time you feel that sting, right? Because the point isn't just to feel the sting and then distract ourselves with something else. Well, I can't do that, so I'll just read books all the time. Or I can't do that, so I'm going to do this. I can't do that, so I'm going to do this. And then, oh, well, it's just a little rule here, and then this little rule. It very quickly becomes about legalism. quickly becomes about some kind of challenge where you finish it, and that's the point. That's not the point. The point is to feel the sting and then turn to God. So this is what I want you to pray. Every time you have a desire to break your fast, because I actually want you to have a desire to break your fast, I want you to pray, Lord, you are the one 
who sustains me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I want you to actually visualize, I have a hunger, so there's an emptiness, physically, literally an emptiness, spiritually an emptiness. What an opportunity for God to pour in, for God to sustain us. The point of a fast is to focus on who God is, and things will change. What will be? This series is not just for 21 days. There's going to be revival right now. We're going to concentrate on prayer and fasting, but there's going to be revival. We're going to concentrate on worship next. And in our prayer and in our worship, we'll prepare our hearts and our unify us in community, begin the journey with us, and we see what God will do. I want to finish with this last scripture, and then we're going to pray again. This is what we'll talk about next week in preparation. Acts 2, 2 through 3. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Will you stand with me? I encourage you to pray out loud during this time. In a moment as we start the song, if you want to sit back down, you can. If you want to kneel, you can. If you want to walk around, if you need to, you can. But we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come, fill this place, and to breathe on us, to bring fire, the fire of his Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray over you and invite God in this moment to do something different. Holy Spirit, we are simply positioned before you in this moment. If you want to, you can open your hands to signify the reality of your heart that you're open. It is not us who force anything, but your spirit who loves and cares for us. God, what you're going to do in this moment, I don't know. But I know that you're going to bring life to us, that you're going to unify us, that you're going to bring healing to people, and you're going to speak to people. And there may be crying, there may be weeping, they may be praising, there may be speaking out, but God, you're going to move as we encounter you. So we give this to you, give this time as a sacrifice of our will so that you can have your way with us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lord God, we worship you. And we long to be in your presence. Our soul will wait for you, Lord God. Father, draw us near, Lord God. Draw us near to the beauty of your holiness. We will wait on you. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord God. You are worthy to be praised of all the admiration, honor, and, Lord, and glory, Lord God. We decrease and let your love and your power increase, Lord God. You before us and the best that we have, Lord God. You deserve it all, Lord God. And we repent. We repent of the hypocrisy, Lord God. We repent of the mock-doing, Lord God. We repent of not being obedient, Lord God. And Lord Father, we just worship you. We want you, Lord God. We need you to do this. 
We can't do this in and of our own self, but Lord God, we thank you and praise you that you draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We just thank you and we praise you just for being the God of all gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Lord God. We love you so much. Lord God, we need you and your people who are hurting today. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord God, that you draw nigh to the brokenhearted, that you have not forgotten about your people. We just ask that you help us to continue to turn away, to change our minds, and to do what you have called us to do in the earth, Lord God, that you'll be magnified, that you'll be glorified, that we will lift you up and magnify your name, Lord God. We need you right now. Hallelujah. Order our steps in your word, dear Lord. Let us value your word, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Hallelujah. He is faithful. Let us not forget. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God, because we have an audience of one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your opinion is the most important opinion that matters. Forget the approval of people. Hallelujah. You have your way. Because it's about time you have your way. Your agenda, God. Hallelujah. How about that? Hallelujah. This thing is real, y'all. If you don't know, now you know. Hallelujah. Thank you. Can y'all give a shout of praise to him? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this be a holy moment now. And let's continue this posture of worship as we go. This is just not a Sunday thing. Because if you wait to Sunday to get filled up, you're going to be running on E. Day by day, daily renewing your mind and your strength in him. Anybody on the prayer team, I'm going to invite you to come up. If you need prayer on today, I say you go get it. You come boldly to the throne of grace. Welcome back. Um, I don't have much more to add because that uh, the prayer from Bridget at the end was so powerful. And I hope you resonated with it and I hope you prayed along with her. Uh, as we go through this uh, revival series in 21 Days of Prayer, like I said, there'll be a lot of opportunities to participate. One of them being um, 6.30 uh, every Sunday for the next two weeks. We'll have a time of prayer worship. Um, also, like Pastor Nathan challenged us, um, we, we would encourage you to take part in fasting and then throughout the next uh, three weeks, uh, 21 days. Um, but I hope that this week your, your prayer and your fasting results in you experiencing God and encountering Jesus. I uh, hope you have a fantastic week and we'll catch up with you again real soon.